Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss Hi, I'm John McEnroe I'm Bjorn Borg This is Martina Navratilova I'm Mats Wilander I'm Stan Wawrinka I'm Leighton Hewitt I'm Andy Murray And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast So week one has officially come to a close because Sunday's play is done and dusted. It has been another day of some epics, some quick fire matches that we really weren't expecting to be quick, some of them. And then uh, a very strange situation late at night with darkness descending. My name is David Law. Uh, you're listening to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. Catherine Whittaker is here, fresh from Roland Garros and another uh, marathon day courtside. And, and well, let's start at the end, Catherine, because we left the court with Daria Kasatkina up a set to love against Caroline Wozniacki, three all in the second set, and one of the most bizarre situations I've seen in a while to do with calling a match off late at night, because... Um, a couple of games before that, there was a lengthy discussion when it was, I don't know, it was, it was about coming towards nine o'clock or maybe ten past nine or something like that. And uh, and both players seemed to want to go off at the same time. And it was, a, it was all a bit strange because, I mean, it was probably a good half an hour earlier than we'd been seeing throughout the rest of, of the week um, with the players wanting to come off. And you can understand it from a Wozniacki perspective. I didn't understand it from Kasatkina's perspective because she was winning. Yeah, I completely agree. Thoroughly bizarre. So uh, the other night, Cameron Norrie and Luca Pui played till 9.42. Uh, and that was uh, a similarly bright evening. 9.42pm they played till that, I think it was... Three, three nights ago and that was a similarly bright evening and uh, we're headed towards the summer equinox and not away from it so it certainly wouldn't be getting any less bright at that time and this was the the uh, it was around about a uh, so, uh, the the WGA supervisor coming on court. I mean, that lasted about ten minutes or so. Um, Certainly felt like it. Yeah, it's something like that. Uh, and that was at around about nine p.m. So, you, I mean, at the very least, there was half an hour still to be played. Um, and what, as you say, David, what was most bizarre about it was the fact that both of them wanted to come off. Usually, it will always be seen to be advantageous for one of them to come off and and by contrast the other one not to and the whole the whole thing just made no sense any which way but it was a bizarre up until that point it was a sort of bizarre and wonderful match wasn't it I mean Kazakina had had the 
better of most of the rallies, what I thought. I mean, she definitely had Wozniacki's number rally-wise in terms of how to beat her from the back of the court on clay. She definitely, Kazakina, for for such a young player, has a real nous on a clay court, I think. A nous that, as much as Wozniacki is a brilliant player, in terms of clay court nous... Wozniacki doesn't have it. Uh, she's sort of trying to fake it on clay, isn't she? She's trying to transport her hardcore game game onto clay, and it goes, it does very well indeed up to, up to a point. Um, but Wozniacki uh, couldn't serve David. I know the serve no, is. She was a nervous wreck at the start, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, I, mean, I know the serve isn't her. It's by no means her strength. Her game bears a lot of uh, resemblance to Ostapenko's in that way. Uh, and there's a there's a good template to go by uh, at the French Open, but she it was bizarre because she broke Wozniacki in the opening game, and you think right, well that'll settle the nerves. I know they'd gone through the um, the bizarre situation of having been rescheduled. They were supposed to be playing on Longland, and then they got moved to Chatrier at the very last minute. They came on court at around about half past seven, and all very um, discombobulating, I'm sure, but. Then Kazakina comes out and breaks Wozniacki in the opening service game. And you think, right, well, she doesn't seem too nervous. This is going to be fine. And then she serves three double faults. And not just normal normal double faults, David. Sort of double faults like hit David Law-esque double faults, shall we say. Right. Sort of I knew that was coming. Bouncing before the service line slash uh, <laughs> hitting the back fence double faults. I mean... Yeah, but at least mine go faster than that. I mean... I mean... <laughs> I mean uh, true story, David. They're over These were slow uh, and very gaping double faults. And uh, yes. yeah, for a few games, it was really, really bizarre stuff. And you're just looking at Wozniacki thinking, goodness me, she's just been... I mean, these were Catherine Whittaker-esque first first serves from Kazakina. We're talking 65 (laughs) miles per hour. My conversion from uh, kilometres, which is how they display it uh, here in Europe, into into miles isn't uh, bang on accurate, but we are talking approximately 65, 70 miles per hour for a first serve, which on a good day is Whitaker-esque. And yeah, and it's so out of keeping with the rest of the Kasatkina game, yeah. which is just full of creativity and, and manipula- ma- manipulating the ball with spin, this dexterous quality she has. Absolutely. Uh, she's like an artist out there, usually. Yeah, I mean, get someone in to sort out the serve, and she's an absolute world beater. I know, look, today wasn't a good advert for, for her serve. Um, but yeah, get someone in to make it, I mean, not even necessarily a strength, just to make it a, a neutral factor in her game. And she is, yeah, she's going to be a formidable force because goodness me, is she great to watch. But um, yeah, bizarre match. Look, I don't think it's an accident that her uh, head-to-head against Wozniacki is uh, is as strong as it is and uh, as Matt Solander said when I chatted to him before that match well first of all he said this was the uh, women's fourth round match that he was most looking forward to he said on paper this is the best matchup um, and as much as it, it it was a little bizarre in aspects I think largely because of the bizarre circumstances I think in terms of you know rallies and so on I, th- I don't think he was he was wrong to predict that um but he no, also it was, it was fun it was, fun. It was really yeah that's a, yeah that's a perfect word for it It was great fun and and he pointed to the fact that uh Kazakina had got the best of Wozniacki in Indian Wells earlier this year and he said look that's as close to a clay court as you can get when you're not on clay 
playing in I, India. I do, I do feel though. I do feel though that they that the umpire and the supervisor should have just said, "Look, no, it, the, the light's okay. Crack on." I really feel they should have done it's that bizarre, a lot sooner. Isn't it? Because, because when you look at the the uh, the Cameron Norrie Luca Pui match, it was the complete opposite. Neither of them wanted to come off. And in that instance, I was thinking there was there was adequate reason for for both of them to to want to come off yeah. before the stage that they yeah. did. And yet tonight, you had them both desperately. I I, I can't. I, I, I felt I, it was a missed opportunity as well because you you had you had a crowd that were absolutely loving it, you know, and they're into it, and it's one of those great atmospheres. And suddenly, you you know, it's the only match that anybody's watching. This great opportunity for for the women's tournament to just. St- take over for, for an hour and and it, it felt like they were just passing the opportunity back and that that frustrated me to be honest um but anyway it's not i suppose it's not wozniaki's job to to worry about that she was trying to get an upper hand and and get off the court but i'm i'm, I'm maybe maybe kasakina got pushed around just a little there into into doing what wozniaki wanted I, I don't know but uh anyway they'll come back tomorrow so that that was a good match uh, to end the day with winner of that will now play against sloan stevens who had no trouble at all uh dealing with annette contivate uh we also had yulia patinsova getting through having beaten barbara stritsova i tell you we, I, I would have happily gone and just watched that those two i mean you, could you imagine the aggro out on that court the irritation well from what uh, i hear though have... david there was minimal aggro i don't want to really? disappoint you i wasn't able to watch all of it because uh our attentions on eurosport were focused elsewhere but from what i hear unless there was some major aggro that i missed um there, there weren't any that uh, registered on the agroometer but uh, oh, please let us know at Tennis Podcast if there was missed aggro, because I'd hate to think yeah, that David because, you know, had missed out. There, there will be a recording of that match somewhere, <laughs> and I will go back and find the exact bit. Uh, and the winner of that, so Patinsova will now play against Madison Keys, who was just in wonderful form you know she has such a big game and she beat Mihaela Buzanescu um she, I think she was actually 6-1-6 love or sorry 6-1-4 love up or something like that at one stage and, and it ended up becoming a close second set 6-4 but uh Keys dominant and so she goes on oh, maybe this is going to be her breakthrough tournament we've said that a few times before we'll be Talking about the Serena Williams against Maria Sharapova match, we already did our little preview just because we could not contain ourselves yesterday, even when we didn't know it was going to happen yet. Well, it is going to happen. We'll be giving that preview at the end of the podcast in the company of the incomparable Christopher Clary from the New York Times, who Catherine's been speaking to. We always love having Chris with us because he always gives us a totally different view. So we'll hear from him uh, a little bit later. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Them. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. I think, Catherine, it's time for us to have a little bit of a look at the men's draw. Because Alexander Zverev <laughs> has won a third consecutive five-set match. And for the third time in a row, he's come back from two sets to one down. And I'm sort of, I'm sort of split I'm, I'm between thinking, well, what a wonderful feat that is to, to come back from two sets to one down three times in a row. Shows his fighting spirit, his grit, his stubbornness his athleticism his endurance all the things that that make a champion on one level and then i'm thinking wow what a waste of energy all that was you know you you, you've just finally got into the second week of of a slam or into the quarterfinals of a slam rather for the first time in your entire career and you've taken 15 sets in three matches to do it against players that you should be beating on paper that having been said i think karen hatchinov was he's a he can look eyeball to eyeball with, with Zverev. He's the same size as him. He's got a huge game himself. And I I thought he had the beating of Zverev today. I just think I think it's really impressive what Zverev's doing personally, that, that he's coming through these matches. I prefer to look at it like that. Uh, I'm just quite impressed with the desire he's shown and not to not to just go away. I agree. I mean, see see my thoughts, Rizverev, on his previous uh, five-set victory over Demir Jimhu, really. I mean, they, they remain the same um, in that I think it, it, if he does make it to the latter stages, my latter stages, I really mean sort of semis and final, I think it could hurt him in the end as much as... I, I, I think he's okay at the moment physically. I, I do get the impression... Uh, that he's he's got enough in him to to certainly to hang with team if maybe not beat team we'll come on to that in in, in a minute but uh, yeah whether it whether it will cost him in the end remains to be seen but um, I agree with you in that this overall in the terms of in terms of the career of Sasha Zverev this is possible this is positive I think we'll look back. Once Zverev becomes a Grand Slam champion and see this tournament as his coming of age in Grand Slam terms uh, and see his three back-to-back-to-back five-set wins and who knows how (laughs) many more there are to come uh, and say, yeah, okay, this is when he he made it on Grand Slam 
on Grand Slam terms and he made it over best of five sets and he proved himself and and made himself believe in himself over best of five sets. I think it might not be as soon as this tournament that we come back to look on it that way, but I think in the wider scheme of things, we'll go, yeah, okay, that first quarter finally made three back-to-back five-set wins. Uh, and as you say, coming back from two sets to one down, which brackets hatching off probably should have won today <laughs> um but uh but yeah i think wider scheme of things got- great for zverev uh but you know i go back to the boris becker quote david from the uh from the previous podcast and uh yeah look the way i see it is i mean and there's still a lot of tennis to be played before now but if it is to be a zverev nadal final the the top two seeds against one another um, you cannot afford to have anything luck or circumstance-wise against you playing Rafael Nadal on clay here this year. And uh, the amount of tennis that Zverev has played will be a, a negative in his column. And I just don't yeah. think to stand any chance you can afford to have any negatives, frankly. But No, well, I, I take that point. I just feel as though, you know, given that he'd never even reached a quarterfinal before... It, it seems a little bit, a little bit it, premature to be thinking in those terms. I agree. It's bizarre, but, 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 but the fact is, David, he's the second seed. He is the second yeah, seed. He was the bookie's second favourite coming in here. It? It's an inflated ranking, though. Is it? Well, who would you really, who would you have put as the second favourite ahead of him for this well, title? I mean, look at the draw. Novak. No, I'm looking at the draw, David. Slams. I've seen the draw. Who would have been your no, second no, favourite? Novak Djokovic has won twelve Grand Slams. I'm right? aware of Novak that, David. Djokovic. Answer the question. Yeah. Well, I'd have put. I mean, what I'm saying to you is that the reason Alexander Zverev is the second seed is because Stan Wawrinka, Novak Djokovic, Andy Murray, all these other players have not been playing tennis, right? So his ranking is a lot higher than normally would be. Therefore, no, he's not the second best player in the world overall. Uh, if you if you put, if Novak Djokovic gets through to the final and beats Zverev, he is, on paper, a heck of a better match for Rafael Nadal at the moment than, than Alexander Zverev is because he's been there, done it, and thrashed Nadal about eight times in a row. So that's that's why. Um, I, 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 so, yes, he is the second seed. He, he deserves that ranking based on his results and the fact that nobody else has managed to do it. But in his Grand Slam journey so far, he's not even come close to this level before. So, uh, I mean, he's got Dominic Team next, and Team is another one who likes to expend his canister as a yeah as he's an, as he he's, he's today's winner david for me of a weird scoreline of the day which which frankly <laughs> it should have been a it should have been a, a daily award with regularity because there's been a fair few of them six two six love uh five seven six four I mean, <laughs> it's a good one, isn't it? Tell me, tell me, David, match. what the point in that third set was. <laughs> tell, I mean, <laughs> well, what, what waste of it sounds, waste from, of everyone's hearing, time. The 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 people that that watched that match, I was watching the commentary uh, uh, as when it switched over after the uh, the Hachinov against Verov match. 
it sounded as though team had played two of the best sets of his entire life to win those first two against uh, Nishikori and then the third set Nishikori started to get back in get it get his feel a bit and team's level started to dip and at the end of that fourth set I mean team was an absolute nervous wreck out there he was hitting the ball as hard as he possibly could just to try to hit his way through the nerves and over the finish line I mean it was um it was quite uncomfortable viewing at the end you know because he just he was really stressed out um but now that we're in that position with him against Ferev I I am struggling to think of who I would put as the favorite for the match because Zverev won the most recent match quite comfortably team is the fresher at the moment. He's beaten him more times overall. He beat him at Roland Garros a couple of years ago. What do you think? Well, before the tournament, David, I, I picked that, I, th- I think, unless, <laughs> I mean, I did it all on a bit of a whim, which is, as, it, yeah, it's as, as, as good as any science I can apply to, to tennis podcast predictions. But I think I predict a Zverev team quarterfinal with Zverev to win, um, as uh, equally, I predicted Sharapova. Uh, predicted Sharapova Serena fourth round uh, with Sharapova to win, and I uh, more of that later. But I think I might be reversing on both those predictions on the basis mm, yeah. of what I've seen in the last twenty four hours. Um, I think I, 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 it's team for two sets. Team really, really was good, and yes. He, I, he might not be able to be that good over over f- for three or four sets con- consistently, but he'll know physically that Zverev almost certainly can't hang with him for another five sets. I mean, if he can, then hands up, good luck to him. Yeah, but, I mean, there, there was a but that has uh, to give him that extra little bit of confidence boost, doesn't it? Knowing that his opponent has gone five sets for the last three matches. Third set against Hachinov, Zverev looked just a shell of a man. I mean, I, I could not see how he could win from from there when he lost the third set. I think six two, and then thereafter, he he just dialed himself in again and I, I love to see that I think he's a real warrior Zverev because he's so sort of baby-faced and and uh slight looking although he's tall you know he's quite slight and he looks so young in many ways uh, you, you don't see that in his features that he's going to be like that but he loved it he just loves the battle um so yeah I I think I would probably go for team as well based on his his freshness at some point Zverev's got to hit the wall I, I I can't see that he won't I also think the surface will help team as well with you, you were talking about it on on TV today I think with Alex Karetcher about the way the the ball can zip off this surface I think it, we were talking you were talking about it in relation to to Vadasco and uh, and Djokovic and actually in that instance I mean I, it sounds as though Vadasco didn't play that good a match today I think he was injured as well but Djokovic was right on it and I mean he he was not even close was it it was surprisingly one-sided that match for me yeah and look I don't I I don't know how right on it Djokovic was frankly he might have been bang on it but uh, he was so for me overall untested by Vidasco that it's very very difficult to tell in all honesty yet again uh, we're left wondering we're left with a sense of uh, intriguing mystery I think around Novak Djokovic because frankly in the in the way that that Vidasco has been at, at once um, 
intriguing and uh, uh, astounding in his career. He's also been been flaky and disappointing, and he was a bit of all of that today. Uh, but uh, but sadly, a little bit more of the flaky and disappointing. Um, so yeah, uh, the 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 match. The, the match didn't shape up the way we thought, which is which is a shame because it sort of had top billing on Philippe Chatrier and it was played in that the basking glory of, of the Paris sunshine. It just all felt almost a little bit too perfectly set up, you know, just just a little bit, all a little bit too right on and, and Vadasco couldn't quite cope with all of that. It, fit, it, it fitted him more sort of being the underdog out on the bull ring uh, facing Grigor Dimitrov. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you know, against Djokovic in the full glare of the spotlight today, it all became a bit much for him. So I don't know. I just don't, I still don't think we really know about Djokovic. So look, he was good enough today by far, more than good enough. But um, there were still moments where I thought, Hang on a second, that that isn't a mistake you would have made two years ago. Maybe the Djokovic of two years ago needs to stop being the benchmark. Maybe he'll never be that again. I don't. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm being what, unfair what to him back. to judge him against that. But hey, all due respect to Marco Cecchinato, massive respect. But Novak Djokovic before this tournament would have taken a quarter final against Marco Cecchinato. That. Is yeah, for who, sure. who, who beat uh, David Goffin today. Very well done to him. 6-3-6 love was the end of the match for Cecchinato. I didn't get a chance to see that match. He was Looking knackered, Goffin, an elbow injury, I think. Oh, yeah. really? What a shame. I, I don't, oh, I don't know shame. exactly how much of a factor, but I believe an elbow injury. So a shame. What, what I did think, watching Djokovic today, was the joy was back. Now, maybe you might think, well, of course the joy was back. He won in straight sets and he's into the, the quarterfinals. But I don't know. I just... Today felt like a step to me. It really, I really did feel that. And I, I don't think we know for sure until he gets embroiled in a best-of-five set match where his his nerves and his physicality are tested and his nerves might fray. And he's got a... You know, the old Djokovic, the, the vintage Djokovic of a couple of years ago, just dug in and had that over-my-dead-body-will-you-beat-me uh, approach to to tennis and 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 ultimately that's what's required if he's going to to get back to where he was. But I, I'm quite, quite enthused on his behalf because he seemed to be happy to be there today and and just just bit by bit it's you know it's a building block exercise and and uh, and he got the job done. So yes, Marco Cecchinati in the next round for Novak Djokovic. So Catherine Serena Williams against. Maria Sharapova is going to take place tomorrow. It is now, I think, the fourth match on because of the uh, the rearranged Wozniacki Kasatkina uh, resumption, and uh, so it'll be on the Philippe Chatrier court. The head-to-head, you were quite right yesterday, uh, was worse than the fifteen wins for, <laughs> for Serena Williams that I thought it was. It was nineteen-two, and so she's won her last eighteen in a row. Has Serena Williams against Maria Sharapova, and Catherine got chance to speak to somebody who's been following that rivalry or unrivalry as Chris likes to call it every single step of the way for the last 14 years Mr Christopher Clary from the New York Times well Chris you coined the term unrivalry to describe Serena Williams and Maria Sharapova could tomorrow be the day it becomes an actual rivalry again the crazy thing is it actually is a rivalry in some in some strange and unprecedented way I think already now just because the interest that it generates because that's kind of the point of a rivalry in tennis is that it's supposed to get fans excited to see it and somehow despite 
you know, Marie hasn't won a set, you know, off of Serena in several years, and she's won one set in the last 10 years. People are still curious to see what's going to happen. It boggles the mind. 15 years since Sharapova has got a victory over Serena. How much is that mental, and how much is it about the matchup of their games? Mostly about the matchup, I think, in a lot of ways. I mean, Serena just has all the tools that Maria has, you know, plus one or plus two in almost every level. Um, I think maybe Maria's forecourt game, coming forward with the swing volley and attacking that way, might be a little bit better now in some ways than Serena's or more reliable. But the rest, athleticism, um, ball-striking ability. And the thing about Serena is that anywhere on the court, from any position, she can produce a, you know, a brutal shot. And on the serving, serving as well is better. And as much as Serena has very much had the the better of this rivalry all the circumstances going into this match seem to level the playing field don't they you know if anything could I suppose this is a situation where it might be more balanced I mean clearly Serena's hitting her stride quickly as she tends to do but Maria looks good I mean that match against Pushkova was a strong strong statement that she made I think she's got a new physio from what I'm told who's doing a good job with her making some difference in terms of her preparation and obviously going back you know to Hogstead her former coach has to help too but ultimately, the matchup is the matchup, isn't it? And Sharapova probably has as much of a point to prove in her own mind as, as Serena does. A bigger point to prove, I think, in many respects. I think Maria, I mean, she's never said this, but I can only imagine. Deep down, I think she feels the, the suspension wasn't, wasn't right for her, you know, her 15-month suspension that she served. I think she really wants to prove that she can be a better or just as good a player now in this era as she was before the suspension to show it had no impact on her. And that suspension was something that Serena mentioned more than once in her press conference after the Gerges when she mentioned a whole lot of other things as well. She's not doing anything to, to dampen down the fire surrounding this match, is she? No, and it, the, both those references were unsolicited. But I, you know, I can't blame her. It's part of the, part of the game, and I think she's, uh, in many respects, right to draw a line on certain issues with, with Maria. I thought she handled the thing fairly well. You can argue with some of the historical references that she made. I definitely feel that she's had some negative thoughts about Maria Sharapova and their careers, no doubt. But she's trying to set you know, a certain tone in her comeback here as a new mother, and you could feel that. And your impressions of Serena's progress throughout this tournament, where she's at relative to her very best? It is very reminiscent, Catherine, of 2007 Australian Open, when she was in a pretty dark place before that tournament, unseated as well, um, really was having a hard time. A little bit out of shape, too. And then she just hit, you know, a different gear very quickly in that tournament. Ran the table, beat six seeds in seven rounds, and destroyed Maria Sharapova in the final, which was really where their rivalry, such as it was, actually was a rivalry in those years after the Wimbledon victory in 04 for Maria. That's when it really turned and became a rout. And just finally, you've had a great relationship with Serena over the years, probably got to know her as well as any journalist. How much do you think she wants this? She wants this story for herself. Look, journalistically, to be totally honest, it's been up and down. I mean, Serena is not always easy to read, not always easy to get to. Lately, it's been good, and I sense that right now in the state that she's in, she's in a different place. She's been much more open about things she would have been closed about in the past. I think she really wants to, uh, to do this right for her own reasons and, and set a good example for other mothers in the world. She's using that as an inspiration. I really believe that. I think she wants to, her own daughter to see her on footage or even maybe in person you know, playing great tennis so I think all that matters to her but she's playing you know, really in you know, probably in the, for the first time in her career I'd say for you know, a more general audience and a bigger cause in her mind so Christopher Clary with uh, Catherine Whitaker, you can tell why we keep having him on this show <laughs> we're just going to keep doing it <laughs> what can I say uh, Chris Clary and Mary Carrillo anytime you like you're on the show we'll just go somewhere else that's fine um, Catherine it's it really whets the appetite though doesn't it for this match I mean a lot of 
people are saying, you know, why why build this up? I mean, this isn't a rivalry. Why build it up? But at the moment, it's the the ingredients are such that that it has the potential to be to be a great match. I hope it lives up to it. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of even if it's love and love in in either player's favour, it'll sort of still end up being a great match. If, do you know what I mean? Like it's, I mean, if the tennis is brilliant, then all all the better. Um, but it it almost is so so perfectly poised and set up that the, the tennis almost becomes irrelevant. Um, yeah, I I. I I love the insight from from Chris, Chris Clary about that it they're almost being more of a not almost I mean he unequivocally said more of a point to prove for Sharapova you know her her feeling of grievance over the doping ban which everyone will have their f- opinion on but I mean there's very little doubt about it she feels aggrieved at how she's she's been treated both by the ITF, etc., and the media and, and, and public reception and all of that over the doping ban, she feels aggrieved by it all. And she feels a point to prove that, you know, the, the point being I've been robbed of 15 months of my career and, and, you know, this is what I would have been doing in that 15 months. I'd have been winning matches against Serena Williams and, you know, winning Grand Slam titles and all the rest of it. She may well be wrong. She, plenty of people disagree with her, but that, I think, is the point that she feels she has to prove and oh my goodness David and all the you know for for Serena she she has every bit the same amount of desire to beat Sharapova tomorrow but it's for it's for different reasons the desire comes from a different place a different portion of her gut you know now now she's become a mother and all all of the rest of the well-documented stuff and all of you know, we keep, we keep sort of um, very obliquely referring to it as Serena's comeback from pregnancy, but it it's not her comeback from pregnancy. The pregnancy is almost a footnote. It's all the complications she experienced during and as a result of that pregnancy. It's the cesarean yeah. section. It's the surgery. It's the it's the pulmonary embolism. It's the postnatal depression. <laughs> that stuff. That's the big news. You know, I'm working with a a broadcast engineer this week who had her first child uh, 14 months ago and is currently five months pregnant. And uh, she works in tennis from, from time to time, is aware of the storylines and knew Serena was coming back from pregnancy. And she she asked, when did Serena have her baby? And I said, you know, early September. And her jaw just dropped. <laughs> and then she, she really took... Uh, quite a few moments to process the fact that she had just watched the Gerges match she'd just watched that victory and she really she really took a few moments to process the fact that the woman she had just witnessed putting in that performance had uh, had gone through everything I just described uh that recently um yeah, I, I, you couldn't make any of it up, David. You couldn't. I mean, that not even to mention the stuff that was said in uh, in Sharapova's book and in Serena's press conference yesterday in, in response to those those comments in Sharapova's book. I mean, you couldn't make it up. You couldn't make it up. No. 
No, it's too delicious for words. So we, we, we'll get to enjoy it tomorrow, and uh, we'll be back to talk about it, of course, after players finish with another tennis podcast. Catherine, go and have your cheese board. Go and get to bed. Uh, we start play tomorrow, obviously, local time in Paris at 11 o'clock. Simone Halep against Elise Mertens, then the resumption of that Kasatkina-Wozniacki match, which Kasatkina leads 7-6-3 all. Uh, then it's Nadal against Maximilian Martyrak. I really want to see him as well. He's another one like Marco Cecconato. I haven't seen too much of him and I want to have a watch uh, Serena Williams then against Maria Sharapova Marin Cilic against Fabio Fanini. couple of good ones on Suzanne Long Longcourt as well Schwartzman against Anderson I can't wait to see the photo at the start of that match uh, between those two Angelique Kerber against Caroline Garcia John Isner against Juan Martin Del Potro and then Garbina Magarutha against Alessia Serenko that whets the appetite it's all coming up on Monday we'll be back after that with another tennis podcast brought to you in association with the Telegraph and with Melanie Bowes, our executive producer, tennisballs.com, Triple S, Charlie the Fairy Town mascot, and don't forget to enter Tennis Podcastaways. We'll be back tomorrow. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.